Okay, I'd like to discuss some more obscure aspects of the history of Thanksgiving. Uh, aspects that we generally don't hear about on this festive day of football and turkey and family get-togethers, which is all great and certainly meaningful that we, we celebrate historically the, the comity and the coming together of the Native Americans and the pilgrims in that first harvest after the pilgrims had averted starvation and after the Native Americans, the Wampanoags, had helped them to survive. And it resulted in kind of a, a spirit of togetherness and a, a great spirit of a holiday. But yet there were certain elements of that holiday which are lesser known. And uh, I want to get into some of those briefly. And that is that uh, the, the um, Plymouth Colony was a failed communist experiment, and certainly not the first. Um, the original colonists were financed by a company in England that gave them a charter that required that every able-bodied man become a single unit, that they would own all property collectively, that they would be uh, weighed and measured equally, and that all property would be shared. It was a commune, basically. They, they did it because they thought they could make money. They thought that the surplus capital would flow to them. And of course, uh, regardless of why they did it, it was a failed idea. It just didn't work. And it's something that the, uh, this was not lost on the, uh, on the early pilgrims and the colonists. William Bradford was governor of Plymouth Colony, and he kept a, a journal, which would later be published as Arv Plymouth Plantation. And he says, and I quote, the failure of that experiment of communal service, which was tried for several years and by good and honest men, proves the emptiness of the theory of Plato and other ancients, applauded by some of later times, that the taking away of private property and the possession of it in community by a commonwealth should make a state happy and flourishing, as if they were wiser than God. Interesting, isn't it? Even back then, Governor Bradford perceived the nature of communism man replacing God, basically this attempt to create a, an earthly utopia that would run against human nature by forcing people to forego such natural institutions as private property. Okay, let me move on in his uh, quotes here. For in this instance, community of property was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment which would have been to the general benefit. For the young men who were most able and fit for service objected to being forced to spend their time and strength working for other men's wives and children without any recompense. The strong man or the resourceful man had no more share of food, clothes, etc. than the weak man who was not able to do a quarter the other could. This was thought injustice. You know, it's interesting that uh, they understood justice back then, real social justice, which was that one would be awarded based upon their effort, their ability, their creativity, their imagination. And then once that was established, they could then be in a position to do what is natural to most, and that is to help the less fortunate, but that they were not equal de facto, that the ultimate virtue was the individual 
exercising their own creativity and their own strength and resourcefulness. That's what would move society forward. Back to the quotes. The aged and graver men who were ranked and equalized in labor, food, clothes, etc., with the humbler and younger ones, thought it some indignity and disrespect to them. In other words, they weren't fooled by the fact that they were equal in terms of sheer workability at their age to the younger men. I mean, it's like, you know, in today's, I guess it, it might be the equivalent today of, of a high school giving everybody a trophy, regardless of how you did, because you don't want to offend anybody. People know that that's not real. It's, it's a, it, it, it weakens and disrespects achievement. Back to the quotes. As for men's wives, who were obliged to do service for other men, such as cooking, washing their clothes, etc., they considered it a kind of slavery, and many husbands would not brook it. If all were to share alike, and all were to do alike, then all were on an equality throughout, and one was as good as another, and so, if it did not actually abolish those very relations which God himself had set among men, it did at least greatly diminish the mutual respect that is so important should be preserved amongst them. Let none argue that this is due to human failing rather than to this communistic plan of life in itself. You see, Governor Bradford, and this is 1620, used the word communism there. He referred to it as a, quote, communistic plan of life. Okay. Now, this is how Governor Bradley says the, the Plymouth Colony responded to the problem, which is that this system had brought them to a state of virtual starvation. This is why they were losing. This is why about a third of them died, because the system didn't work. Quote, At length, after much debate, the governor, with the advice of the chief among them, allowed each man to plant corn for his own household, so every family was assigned a parcel of land. This was very successful. It made all hands very industrious, and that much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been at any means the governor or any other could devise, and saved him a great deal of trouble and gave far better satisfaction. The women now went willingly into the field and took the little ones with them to plant corn, while before they would allege weakness and inability to have compelled them would have been thought great tyranny and oppression. Thus the rejection of the communist system by the pilgrims, this is me here, which profoundly would affect the future course of American society, led to a bountiful harvest and the first Thanksgiving feast. Okay, now that the second part of the secret history of Thanksgiving occurred about a year into the administration of President George Washington, when President Washington issued one of his first executive orders with the consent of both houses of Congress, declaring November 26 to be a day of thanksgiving and prayer, public thanksgiving and prayer, to be acknowledged with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. You see, Thanksgiving, the real name of Thanksgiving is a day of thanksgiving and prayer to Almighty God. Washington wanted to stop for a minute in the course of this year 
and ponder the incredible blessings that God had granted his administration and the American people. And for a day of reflection and prayer, when the whole nation would pray together. So Washington set aside November 26th to be observed in perpetuity and so that Americans could, and I'm quoting here from the executive order, unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. In other words, a day of atonement, a day of seeking forgiveness for sin, a day of taking stock of blessings. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. So we may want to think about that on Thanksgiving Day as we joyfully carve the turkey and have the trimmings and go to football games and do all these other wonderful things and get together with family and friends. We ought to think about the true meaning of Thanksgiving. Thanks for watching, everybody.